first reading is taken from Hebrews, and it's on page 1203 of the Bibles. It's verse, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. Therefore, since the promise of entering his, his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about all seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Second reading is taken from uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through to to verse 25. And that is on page 1037, right in the bottom right-hand corner, over to, uh, onto page uh, 1038. Jesus calms the storm. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. So the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. 
Well, if I can invite you to keep your Bibles open at that page, that would be wonderful. For those of you who may be new, my name is Jit. I'm the Associate Vicar here. And it's my great privilege to carry on our series looking at the 24-7 Christian. What it looks like to be a Christian following Jesus in every single part of your week. From when you get up in the morning to when you go to sleep. And actually tonight, a very special activity that most of you probably enjoy. And that is that time after you go to sleep. Sleep itself. And looking at how can we be Christians in our sleeping Before I dig into that, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, we pray that it might rightly do your work in our lives today. Teach us, train us, guide us, and instruct us in your ways, and lead us closer to you, we pray. Amen. Well, sleep is the major activity of life. You sleep more than you do any other one thing in your week. So we worked out that if you sleep the recommended eight hours a day, by the end of an average lifetime, you'd have slept for over 25 years, which is a long period of time. And I'm aware of the slight irony of speaking on sleep on a day when many of us perhaps are lacking in sleep because we've lost an hour this morning or last night, whenever it was. And uh, you might be tempted to enact this sermon here and now. And please don't. Please don't do that. I I remember a quip that Abraham Lincoln once said that uh, he um, said to one of his advisors that if everyone who fell asleep in a church service was laid end to end they'd be a lot more comfortable. And uh, (laughs) if that is your temptation as you're listening to these, just uh, wait just a moment, because there's some more things for you before you fall asleep that will help you sleep better, actually. More seriously, though, a lack of sleep is something that is not only experienced on nights when the clocks change, but actually by most of us, most of the time in one way or another. In a brilliant piece of research by the um, UK Sleep Council, who must have thrilling meetings, uh, called the Great British Bedtime Report, they analysed the latest sleeping patterns in Britain and uh, they came up with these results. It was revealed that the majority of Britons, 70%, now sleep for seven hours or less, the average being six hours, 35 minutes. Men get better quality sleep than women by 8%. Higher earners sleep 10% better than lower earners. And ironically, it doesn't matter where you are as to how well you sleep. In fact, some busier places, you sleep better. So sleepers in urban London actually sleep better than sleepers in rural Wales. Unexpected. All this lack of sleep isn't good news, actually, for most. One sleep expert explained this. One bad night's sleep affects our mood, concentration, and alertness, while long-term sleep deprivation has far more serious consequences. It's been linked to a number of serious health problems, such as heart disease, diabetes, and strokes. I want to suggest that in this topic of sleep, The battle to get enough sleep is the key issue in the modern age. And I want to ask the question, well, what does the Christian faith say to that? 
Turning to our gospel reading, there are two miracles in this reading. One big and one small. The big miracle is, of course, at the end of the passage where Jesus calms the storm with a simple rebuke, a word of command, showing his divinity, showing that he has authority and power over nature and over the whole universe. But that often overshadows a slightly smaller miracle that's going on beforehand. And it's this, that he is asleep during the storm and actually has to be woken up in order to rebuke it. This raging storm that had even the most seasoned of seafarers, fishermen, worried and in anxiety and fear, he slept through it. He was in deep sleep and slumber. And the question I want to ask and apply is, how was it that he was able to sleep in that situation? What, that, what might that say to our lives in the area of sleep? And I've just got three really simple suggestions as to why Jesus was able to sleep, no matter what the storms were around him. And the first one is this. Jesus sleeps because he prioritizes it. Probably the most obvious reason he chooses to fall into a deep and refreshing sleep because he knew that he needed it. He didn't try to keep himself awake. He allowed slumber to take over. In the Gospel of Luke so far, Jesus has been in very busy and active ministry, preaching God's word, healing the sick, releasing the oppressed, gathering the disciples. He's been at it day and night, traveling many, many miles by foot under the scorching Middle Eastern sun. And no doubt he is shattered in his humanity. He would have been as tired as any one of us would have been in that situation. And when he sees this opportunity, a late crossing, to get some shut-eye, to get some sleep, he makes the most of it. He makes the most of it. He knows how important it is. He could have, should he wished, have said to himself, no, I need to carry on in ministry. He could have spent that time teaching the disciples, further equipping them for the work of ministry ahead. He could have used every single last second, but he knew the wiser option was to sleep. He knew the false economy in that, that often we find ourselves in. I don't know if you've ever said this to yourself. Life is just far too busy that I've got to use every single moment possible. And that includes perhaps going on into the night and perhaps robbing some of the time that I might sleep. I need some of that time just to unwind at the end of the day. Don't you know how busy life is? I need that time. And so we reduce the amount that we sleep on a constant basis. And that's a false economy. Because actually the busier life is, the more you need that sleep actually. So that when you wake up, you're refreshed and able to handle all the various demands that you face without making mistakes and errors in judgment and fully alert to what God might be doing. I remember hearing a story about the late, great John Stopp, probably the most influential and fruitful evangelical Anglican minister of the last century, I would suggest. And uh, that fruitfulness was linked to his great discipline in life. He was a disciplined man. And the story is told of the fact that he was even disciplined in the way that he sleeped. He actually chose at 9.30 every single evening to set himself a target 
that whatever he was doing, wherever he was, he would leave the room, leave the place that he was, head towards his bed, get half an hour's reading the Bible in, and then go to sleep, ready to get up at six o'clock the next day for all that that day held. And there's stories of him actually doing this. He would walk out of meetings halfway through, 9.30 exactly. He'd leave conversations half done so that he could get enough sleep. And actually, you might have thought, well, some of that is just very rude. <laughs> but actually, the proof is in the pudding, the effect of his life on many people, actually. I long for the day when I can do that at PCC. But, um... <laughs> for many of us, such a discipline of prioritizing sleep won't be as easy as setting a time, a fixed time at night. We have various demands, young children, work in the evening rather than during the daytime, pressures that suddenly arise, emails that suddenly arrive in your inbox that you had no idea was coming. Sometimes there are very valid reasons why we miss out on sleep. But let me suggest to you that as Jesus does here, he makes it up. He probably missed out on a lot of sleep, but he made it up whenever he could. A potential objection to this idea of prioritising sleep is to look at various leaders across the world who've done really, really well without much sleep and say, well, if they could do that, so can we. You can hear some amazing stories of people who survived on very little sleep. You'll remember that Margaret Thatcher, for example, very famously when she was Prime Minister, only slept four hours a day, just four hours Winston Churchill, during the height of World War II, never went to sleep before 2 a.m. And you might say, well, look at them, they were both very effective leaders. But what's often missed in that is that they caught up their sleep at other times. Margaret Thatcher openly admitted that she slept a lot at the weekends to catch up. And Winston Churchill was famous for his two-hour-long naps in the afternoon in the bath. He made it up. He knew, actually, <laughs> I'm having to lead a country in war. I need to get enough sleep. And it might be, actually, for some of you, you need to think about, well, how do I make up on the sleep that I'm missing? If I've got young kids who keep me up, okay, when can I technically take that moment of sleep? Jesus knew that he needed to catch it up. He knew it was a priority for him. And so should we, let me suggest. So should we. Okay, that was the first reason he, he sleeps, because he prioritizes it. The second reason... Jesus sleeps because he can trust. He falls into this deep slumber that even a storm can't wake him from because he's fully trusting. Firstly, he's trusting the disciples in the boat. Like I said, a number of them were seasoned seafarers. They were fishermen by trade, and they knew how to handle a boat. They didn't need Jesus' input. He could fall asleep fully assured and trusting that they could handle it, even if they didn't think they could. But even more, on a deeper level, he could trust God in that situation. Even if the storm did wake him for the briefest of moments, he knew he could trust God who watched over him. God had given him a mission. God said that he would fulfill that mission through him. And God would see him through to that point on the cross where he dies. And nothing was going to stop that. Nothing was going to take him away from that mission ahead of time. God was in control, fully in charge. And he can sleep because of that. For many of us, 
the, one of the key reasons why we find it hard to sleep at night is because we can't trust, actually. We can't trust, and we feel that we need to sort everything out because of all that's going on around us. Sometimes we don't trust God, his care, and his provision, and his sovereignty, and his lordship over life. And sometimes we don't trust the people that he's put around us, just as Jesus had his disciples around him. We're lacking in trust, and it causes sleepless nights, anxiety, and wrestling. We feel that we've got to sort out the issues before we get up. That the world needs us to get it right, otherwise it's all going to fall in. And actually, that's not true at all. Not one single bit. The Lord is in control of the universe. He's the one that sorts it out, not you. And actually, trusting him in those issues enables you to sleep. King Solomon the Wise in Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders build in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain do you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The truth is that if you allow God to be the one who watches over the city, if you allow him to be the one that builds your household, if you allow him to be the one that brings food for your table and trust him in those things, well, he'll do what he promises. He gives sleep to those whom he loves. And because of this, Christians should be the best sleepers in the world, let me suggest. They really should be. People should be able to look at our sleeping and think, wow, they sleep because God exists. That they are amazing. They're reflecting something that they know. They sleep for God. The Bible says that he who watches over you does not sleep or slumber, which means that you can. You really can sleep and slumber. That you can rest assured that the world doesn't need your input for eight hours. That it won't stop spinning because of it. But God's in control of it all. And this is both a humbling thing and a comforting thing, let me suggest. It's a humbling thing to realize that actually we're not in charge. The very fact that we physically need sleep should suggest this. We're fickle and frail and finite, and we need these eight hours every single day because we can't do it all. But God promises to make it up, and more than make it up, in his control over life. And it's also a very comforting thing that he is constantly in control and constantly present. Don't know if when you were younger, or when you were a child, or if you have children at the moment, you might remember those plug-in night lights that you switch on that uh, shine throughout the night to bring comfort and security and peace against the terrors of night. But there's a constant presence, always on, just there, assuring you in the midst of sleep. And as adults, sometimes we need the equivalent. That assurance that he watches over you. That he really is in control. That you can go to sleep under the shadow of his wings. You can trust him for them. I'm going to suggest a very practical way of implementing this in our own lives. To trust God in our sleeping. And I just want to ask you to trust me in the midst of this. I invite you to just hold out your hands in front of you. You look really silly, by the way. (laughs) 
Now, I just want to invite you to clench your fists. Now, this is you quite often before you go to sleep. You're holding on to things. You have to be in control. Your grip is hard. Oh, that email that's just come in. Oh, that conversation I had during the day. And your knuckles will be going white because you're just... So many problems going on. But then can I invite you, before you go to sleep, perhaps kneeling at your bedside, just to open your hands before the Lord and say, Lord, you are sovereign. You're in control, and I'm laying these things down at the feet of Jesus. I trust you. And then actually, to turn your hands round and point them up and say, Lord, your word says, you give to those whom, you're, whom you love sleep. I receive the sleep that you have for me tonight. Thank you in advance for it. Amen. And then off to bed with you. Try it tonight. Sleep well. Sleep well. Well, that was the second reason. Jesus sleeps because he can trust. And lastly, Jesus sleeps because he knows the deep rest of God. Throughout the Bible... God speaks about a rest that's even deeper than physical rest, even deeper than sleep. God has it himself in Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day after creating all of creation, it says he rested from his work. He promises it to Moses in Exodus 33 when he intercedes for fickle, and sinful Israel. God promises that his presence would go with him and he would give him rest. In the Gospels, Jesus promises this to all that would come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in our Hebrews reading, at the end of the New Testament, we heard a warning right at the beginning of that reading not to miss this rest. Verse 1, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. This rest that the Bible speaks about is the rest that undergirds the whole of the Christian life and should enable physical rest as a result. And now Hebrews passage explains, it's a rest from works, just as God had at the beginning of creation from any type of work where you seek to achieve or maintain or prove yourself. The way that so many live, constantly abuzz because they've got something to do to make sure that they have their position in the world. Something to do to earn the love that they're shown. Something to do to justify their existence. The writer to the Hebrews speaks to an audience who attempted to do that by going back to the old Jewish religion. Today we're tempted to do that by all kinds of other systems and faith beliefs, somehow striving to get through life, somehow seeking to achieve and just be that bit better, to make that bit more progress, to maintain what we've got. That internal restlessness that doesn't lead to a deep sense of rest. And Jesus promises that if you come to him, he will give you rest from all of that, that you won't have to prove yourself, that you won't have to justify your existence, that he can give you rest. We know that Jesus himself modeled this 
at the very beginning of his ministry, at his baptism, he heard the voice of the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He hadn't had to do anything. And everything he did as a result flowed from that moment of acceptance, of love, of assurance, that place of rest. It undergirded his three-year ministry. It undergirded his three-day ministry, the cross and resurrection. And actually at the cross, he enables that rest to be given to each and every single one of us. But because of what he does there, he enables a shout to go over our lives. The shout of forgiven. The shout of adopted and loved. The shout of you being a child of God. You've got nothing to prove. No amount of letters after your name or before them will make a difference. God says that you're mine and you can rest in that truth. And this, let me suggest, for Christians should be at the very heart of sleep. The quality of your sleep will depend on how much you've realised this truth, no matter what quantity you do end up getting. How are we doing? A bit better? Is it my wire? And let me suggest, not having this truth deep in our souls is going to lead to sleepless nights. St. Augustine famously said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, in God. Let me end with a story to help show this. In Steven Spielberg's uh, masterful World War II film, Saving Private Ryan, hands up if you've seen it, most people will have seen it, he tells a story of a group of men who were given orders to rescue a single man from behind enemy lines in Normandy during World War II. This man is important because all three of his brothers have died in the war effort and he's, he remains the only child of a single mother. And the chief of the US Army hears this and orders a mission to rescue this man, Private James Ryan. And so the rescue mission is sent out. It's a dangerous mission and lots of the men sent are killed. And at one point, the captain who leads the mission says this, this Ryan had better be worth it. He'd better go home, cure some disease, or invent the longer-lasting light bulb. And eventually, they find him, Private James Ryan. And in the last battle scene, uh, a number of the group are killed, and the captain himself is wounded and eventually dies. And some of his dying words to Private James Ryan are this. He comes close, he whispers, whispers in his ear and says, James, earn this, earn it, earn it. And then the film ends with a scene 50 years later where James Ryan is standing at the captain's grave and through tears says, I've tried to earn it, I'm not sure if I have earned this, but I've really, really tried and the film ends, a very poignant moment, a very powerful piece of film. But let me say for the Christian, the exact opposite is true. Exact opposite. When Jesus dies in his rescue plan to save you, his words aren't, earn it. You've got to earn this. 
Some of his last words were actually, it is finished. I've done it. You're not going to have to earn a single bit of this. I give this to you freely. It's finished. You don't have to try and earn this. You can receive the deepest rest you'll ever experience from having to justify your existence, having to prove yourself in God's sight and others, because I've earned it. I've earned it for you. You can sleep well because you have the rest of God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you teach us about these things, help us to understand them. I pray and ask for every single person here in this church that we might sleep well because you are Lord, because you are in control, and because we have entered into your permanent, enduring rest because you've done it all at the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for good night's sleep ahead. Amen. Thank you.